The date is May 10th, 2005. The number one song on the Billboard charts is a little jam called Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani. The number one mainstream rock song is Be Yourself by Audio Slave. Cool. Cool, yeah. Top five I'm albums for this. on the Billboard 200. Stand Up by Dave Matthews. Don't know it. Number three. The Emancipation of Mimi, Mariah Carey. Don't know it. (laughs) Number four, The Massacre, 50 Cent. Don't know it. Number five, With Teeth, Nine Inch Nails. I I don't know it. I think that has a hit off of it. Probably does. Probably. You know which one I skipped? Number two. Oh, Number two is the album we're talking about today. Dude, you took your thing off, bro? I did, mostly for the video. Oh. I... I thought I about that. The 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 pop screen is nice. In fact, I just popped a little bit right there. But let's all get to a popping today. My beautiful face. My face. My beautiful face. Beautiful. My b- 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 beautiful face. Make we believe did. is what we're talking about today. This is Weezer's fifth album, fifth studio release, and their highest charting release. Their only number two. They never got higher. And they never they never got to number two again. At least, not yet. We, Would you jam with Weezer or play Tom Morello's guitar? I can only do one. I jam with Weezer. I don't I, care. About that's Tom a bad Morello's one. Guitar. That's a bad jam with Weezer. All right. Or, or okay. Have Bob Rock produce your album. Jam with Weezer. All right, that's a bad one. No, no, that's a good one. <laughs> Would you rather jam with Weezer <laughs> or 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 be on a song on Tenacious D's album? <laughs> <laughs> the D. Oh, wait, that's a bad one. <laughs> Welcome to the Wet Bandits <laughs> Podcast. This is a 90s discography podcast. My name is Wheezy McWheeze, and this is... Sam. Sam. Slammy B. Oh! <laughs> we are two-fifths of the greatest 90s cover band in the world, the Wet Bandits, and on this podcast, we cover 90s bands, and we go through their whole studio, full-length, not-live discography. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we find some gems that we didn't know how much we loved or we'd forgotten about. And sometimes maybe we find that those albums should have stayed in the trash where we threw them <laughs> 10 years ago. So Because it's funny because you actually probably did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I told you, right? <laughs> I can already see, like, getting home, unwrapping the plastic, putting it in, putting it nice and nice, backing on the CD, closing it. 
and then just throwed it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I've done I I treasure Okay. I'm not one of these saps who is like me I I just love like music speaks to me. Like I'm not like that. It, yeah. Look God you know all the power in the world to you if you are that person. But yeah, that's but I'm not. Those people don't even have like good taste in music because Very all often. music tastes good. <laughs> yeah, right? You can't have good without bad, bro. Yeah. So, but what I was saying is I treasure my albums so yeah. much that it was really hard for me to ever get rid of anything, name, even if I didn't really like it. Name one that you just tossed in the bucket. Something people have heard of? Yeah. Tossed in the bucket, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, What Hits? Oh yeah, I told. Did I tell you that story? Yeah. I also gave away Nirvana Unplugged in New York. Did I tell you that story, which is the one that like that you wanted the girl to like you. Chili peppers. That's what I hits. thought. Yeah. Do you remember Unplugged in New York? No. That one, similar thing, but also I was introduced to Nirvana at a camp, mm-hmm. and I. I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit and I knew that I liked that, but I didn't know what the name of the song was and I didn't know what album it was on. And I had mentioned before that I basically purchased all my albums based on the top 10 list in Entertainment Weekly's record sales for the week. So Unplugged in New York was there and I bought it and I didn't understand what Unplugged was. Uh I didn't know what that meant. So I, I just bought the Unplugged album and it was this low-key acoustic stuff that i did not have any interest in i own it now because now i get it uh-huh. but at the time i didn't get it like, so i i gave can... it away <laughs> i also either threw away or lost uh sunny day real estate's second album which is something that i'd really like to it's not appropriate for us to cover now because it's not quite popular enough, but it has some songs on it that are cool and I appreciate a lot more now. But at the time, I just didn't care for it or get Those are the ones that I remember getting rid of consciously. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the story. I've given mine away like, yeah, dude, you could borrow this, but I never got it I was going to say, <laughs> you've probably given away countless accidentally to yeah. people. Yeah, then I just buy it back. Yeah, yeah. It's called like paying it giving forward. hope to people to the people. Yeah, to listen to cool jams. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Already, without this pop screen, I am just hearing the hard peas so much. It's driving me crazy. Driving better, me bonkers. Very good. Get it, man. No, I don't want it. I'm stuck with this now. I want people to see my face. Consequences of your actions. Yeah, that's right. How about this for consequences? Oh, oh my God. For the people who are who can't see what we're doing because you're not watching on YouTube, if this goes on up on YouTube like it usually should, Sam is taking off his pop screen. Ah! Oh! oh, and he threw it like a piece ah! of moldy tangerine. Ooh, that, that's loud. It did get loud all of a sudden. That's should okay. I put it back on? No. No. Pony. <laughs> Let's let's talk about we don't talk about our band on this podcast yeah, very much. Let's talk about them. Um, let's talk about now. Maybe no, maybe nobody's interested. But if you're interested in the goings on of a, like a real life band, I'm not talking about your dad has a garage band. Most of your bands that you see on Facebook are, you know, these guys started this band. They play. They practice in their garage. 
12 times a month and they gig three times a year yeah. and they play a bunch of shit that this nobody cares about. This is the complete about. opposite. Yeah, this is <laughs> the complete opposite. Practice once a year, yeah. gig 60 times a yeah. year or something. We're the complete opposite of that. And that's just because we like to get paid for our time, uh-huh. right? We have been practicing more because we've been doing, and by more, I mean once this year. So we're on pace for like four practices in 2020. Yeah. But what we're trying to do is add some new songs, and we we have a little bit of a lineup change. And so we're working out some new vocal things. and But we have been... Riding pretty high. Yeah. You texted me yesterday and you said, bro, I'm still riding high from this weekend. It's like not like high, like off the performance. It's like I'm proud to mm. be in this band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody's just doing their part, man. Yeah. Yeah. We played a gig on Friday at this newer bar. For those of you in Columbus, Urban's Pint House. And we did play pretty well though, too. We did play pretty well there. Pretty well. We had a but... sub. We had a sub on bass. Yeah. Which is different. First night. It was a really weird setup where we were like elevated, but we were actually playing like in a booth. They took the chairs out, but we were really playing in a seating area. And Sam is literally in the like server's walkway it playing was cool. drums. People were just like playing my drums and stuff. Well, yeah, but what that meant was literally part, half the audience was behind us. Yeah. And the rest of the people were down like the set the floor below and we were quote unquote playing to them but we were playing to everybody and that gig that was a the rare gig that was really busy when you started mm-hmm. but it was apparently an early crowd because it's it wasn't empty by yeah, the time it's like we were a gone. dinner yeah it's like a dinner spot so we held pe- and the owner said they haven't had people there that late ever oh really so, yeah the, so the response from the bar was good. It wasn't like as rowdy as I kind of expected it to be yeah. considering how many people were there to start. But if you want to talk about rowdy, the gig the next night yeah. was pretty rowdy. Like for, you know... Everybody was rowdy. Everybody was rowdy. You know, like not not inappropriate rowdy. Yeah. You know, this is a tasteful crowd. But like yeah. for the for the kind of people we had there, it was relatively rowdy. Um, the instruments were loud. My ears were ringing for a full 48 hours, which I don't like, (laughs) but but I liked, I liked what caused it. Yeah. And, uh, we played a bunch of songs. We played a bunch of deep cuts. We Uh played long way down by Goo Goo Dolls, which is a rare one for us. We played far behind from Candlebox, which shouldn't be rare, but is creep. We played creep from Radiohead. We played Vaseline from Stone Temple Pilots. These are all songs we have not done in a really long time. 3 a.m. 3 a.m., which isn't even on our... has never been on a set list of ours. We just kind of all know it. So we played that Matchbox song. So that that makes for a fun gig. But you and I have kind of been texting about what makes... Not about this explicitly, but implicitly... What allowed us to play Vaseline and have people respond to it in such a way. And it's, it's a weird, I think you'd call it a catch 22 yeah where like you 
it, it, at a busy place, you don't want to play a song that is too heavy or one that they're not used to. But those, right? a lot of those people were our fans. Yes, but those that worked because they yeah. already loved us, mm-hmm. you know, and we appreciate that. But you know, more to the point, when you know that they're already like eating out of the palm of your hand. And that sounds condescending, but like, I I don't mean like any one of those people individual, but as a group, they were eating everything we up that Mm -hmm. we gave them when they're already eating out of the palm of your hand, you can kind of play whatever you want. And it sort of doesn't matter. You don't want to take that attitude too much because you do want it to be about your audience. Mm -hmm. But we were just all having a good time. It was so we were so rowdy. Yeah, the band was so rowdy that it was fun for them to see. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of fans took videos and like posted it on Facebook, and it's like the wildest we've looked. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to see these. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you'll have to see. So, a lot of good, a lot of good came out of it. I feel bad for keyboard player Joe who didn't get to take part in the second gig, but we're all talking about how awesome it was. <laughs> Dude, uh, Josh, our singer texts the group, like a lot of good things happening last night, boys. And Joe, <laughs> Joe wasn't even there. <laughs> I think we're turning a corner. <laughs> so too bad for Joe, but so that's what happened with us this weekend. Yeah. Um, good, good gigs. I think I meant to go into that little bit, sort of like explaining how, a band goes through a weekend and I ended up just talking about like how awesome it was. Not very informative. Right. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've done two nights in a row. Kind of yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I guess if I was going to say, this is what I'm trying to tell our podcast audience. What I'm trying to tell the podcast audience is how a cover band like us addresses the set list problem to different groups. Mm. You know, we I j- think that's key. Oh, it's the, it's the most important thing we do yeah. because not to sound condescending to our listeners, but you may not realize this, but most audiences cannot tell at all when you mess up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just play a song and it's recognizable, that's all you have to do. No, I do think there's nuances and like little things that like just naturally do. doesn't sound right. To- yeah. That the audience might not be able to tell what was wrong, but they can sense that something yeah. was wrong. And being able to articulate that is is how the band gets feedback. So a lot of times people will come up and tell a band they're good when they were maybe good, but the band here is good and thinks, oh, we didn't do anything wrong. The audience can say, oh, you guys were really good tonight and actually think, yeah, they were really good. They were the 20th best band I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. You know, because because they can't explain what was not right but they sense that something wasn't right. And yeah. that's the difference between good bands and great bands. Yeah. At least on the cover circuit, I would say. So we should have talked about with that with David from Fairweather a little bit. He probably would have had oh, something yeah. to add to that because he's in a... Yeah, there's sometimes when people come up and be like, you did so good. And like, we thought we like played... Like complete ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are just some things that... It's also... Kind of like if you've ever, I don't want to talk, you know, use an example that's so dramatic as a, like a car accident, but any accident type where you hurt yourself, you know, you wrecked your bike when you were a kid or whatever, you fell off, you know, fell down the stairs or whatever. 
a lot of times when that happens to you personally, it seems to happen in slow motion. Yeah. The same thing is happening when I'm screwing up a guitar solo. Like when I'm screwing up a guitar solo, it feels like it takes forever. But there mm-hmm. are rare occasions where I've had audio recordings or video recordings of those screw ups. And honestly, even as I'm watching it, knowing that it's coming, sometimes it's hard for me to catch it. Oh, wow. So like, That's so weird. Yeah. So but I think because time slows down when you know you're messing up, the accident or mistake seems a lot bigger than it actually mm-hmm. is. And then when you go back, you're like, oh, I barely screwed anything up. And now I see why the audience would never know. Yeah. It sounded like everything I did was on purpose too, which is, which is important. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, that was our weekend, but we're not here to talk about our weekend. We're here to talk about, we're here to talk about make believe. Speaking of make believe. Have you ever lied? Dude, that's exactly (laughs) where I was going with that. (laughs) Dude, do you lie? Dude, I lie so much. How much do you lie? That I grew two inches shorter this week. (laughs) I I lie so much. My mom doesn't even trust me anymore. (laughs) I lie so much that it makes Pinocchio's nose grow. Oh, wow. That's a lot of lying. Yeah. This is off the cuff. This is all improv (laughs) for you, right? Yeah. Have you told any lies lately? I can't remember. Yeah, we. It's weird how we. I have hate this, it. I know we have this bit that we don't prepare for, but I then know. we do it. <laughs> it sounds good when we're talking about. It. Do you lie? Yeah. Do well, you? <laughs> well, do, have we talked to anybody new about their lies lately? We had some good lies for the Blue Album. This is bad. This is so bad. We cut. We better cut this. We make a note. Cut. Oh, this let's part. call our moms. My phone is doing the... I'll you want to call her. your mom? No, All right. She'll be mad. I'll call my dad. So this is maybe going to turn okay, into Google. a Okay, <laughs> Google. Call dad. Are you going to ask him if he lied? Yeah. All right. All right, listeners, fingers crossed. Put him on speaks. I don't know what... The answer's... It's like a parent's job not to answer the phone, <laughs> especially if they just texted you like a minute ago. Dad, you're on the podcast. You're on the podcast. I'm on the podcast. Yeah. So whatever you say is being recorded. Okay. Have you ever lied? No. Are you mad? No. <laughs> is I'm on the podcast. All right, well, all right, let's get back to work. <laughs> all right, bye. All right, goodbye. Good bit. <laughs> Dude, you're I've met your dad before, but I didn't know he was so scary. <laughs> He's not having it, bro. <laughs> no. He's never lied. Let's call somebody else. This is great content. Is it? I don't know. We'll see. This is a lot like uh, when you mess up a guitar solo on stage. <laughs> it's going slow motion. <laughs> it's hap- right now, it's all happening in it's slow-mo. It's called Brennan. Yeah, don't give his last... But say his phone number, but don't give his last... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is he on speaker? Yeah. 
Good. Put it right up to the mic. Dude. Shit. Well, I have a lie. Everybody's busy lying, you know. Here's a lie for you. It's also a review on Apple. Ooh. Ah, I meant to read a a review on the last one. Uh, I posted a review, a very nice review from Stitcher on our Instagram. Go follow us on Instagram at Wet Bandits Pod and on Facebook at Wet Bandits Pod. We're not going to announce something right now, but there is something serious in the works for the Wet Bandits podcast. What? And and we're not going to say right now. Because first of all, it's not 100% confirmed. But if you want to do some digging through our Instas, you can maybe find it. Oh, It's going to yeah. be big. You know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But here comes a review. This is from Hello and No. Whatever that means. Love this show. Always keeps me interested and always look forward to new episodes. Signed. Tabby from your new best friend's podcast. Hell yeah. That's very nice. Five stars, obviously. But I have a feeling that that's a lie. I have a feeling. Oh! I have a feeling she didn't actually listen to these. But she did know how to put five stars. She but did, did know how to put the five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Maybe, maybe we should start seeing four and a half stars. So oh. No. Five yeah, stars only. I know. Yeah. yeah. We always have to do five stars. But. I mean, we appreciate the review, and I'm going to review them, and I'm going to lie, and I'm going to say, loved it. Loved the episode. Five stars, but I won't have listened. Just kidding. I I probably will. We had another podcast reach out to us on Instagram, and uh, she asked me to listen to a couple of her episodes and give some advice, and I did. I listened to a couple. They were short, much shorter than ours, um, like 25 minutes, and they they were good. Very well produced, and um, it, it wasn't the kind of content that I'm like really on board for, but that doesn't matter because podcasts are so varied and so Mm -hmm. wide reaching that like any topic seems like it could have an audience. I just wasn't the audience for this one. And I said that to her and, but I was like, but that shouldn't matter to you. You know, you're not going to please everybody, but it was very well done. And then she did the same for us and very clearly also listened to ours. So um, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm skeptical because this one was less involved review. But anyway, we appreciate any fake review anyone leaves. In fact, the more fake reviews, the better. As long as you click five stars. That's really it. Five stars only. I've never listened to any of this. These guys are pieces of shit. Yeah. Five stars. That's all we want. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Good reviews are fine too, whatever. Let's get into it. We're 23 minutes in. Time to talk about make-believe. Do you agree? And I believe in make-believe. Where I come from isn't all that great. My automobile is a piece of crap. My fashion sense is a little whack, and my friends are just as. Probably don't need to listen to this one that much. You all know Beverly Hills. 
Dude, this was like one of the first songs I covered, like in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. And? It was cool. Yeah? You like it? Yeah. This song's fine. It's, for me, we've been talking about how Weezer continuously makes comebacks, Mm -hmm. you know? So, Weezer does Pinkerton, goes on hiatus, the comeback is the Green Album. Green Album is not like this massive success. Then they, Maladroit comes out, and I don't know that Maladroit really felt like a comeback album. It was just heavier and different, like clearly different. And then, it, but it wasn't very successful again. So this, I felt, dug it. I mean, this felt like a comeback, right? Oh, I love, I like Maladroit a lot. Yeah, but Make Believe is the comeback from Maladroit, and you know, Beverly Hills is the first single. It's the first song of Weezer's to be nominated for a Grammy for best rock song. Hmm. Did so, they win it? I don't know. I don't think they won. I don't know who did. I didn't bother to look that up. Bad job, Mike. But, y- you know, th- this is supposed to be another, like, comeback album. Rivers even said, as we mentioned on the Green Album and and probably will mention on Maladroit, <laughs> that this was a return to musical emotional bloodletting. So, like, this is supposed to be Pinkerton-esque, like, I'm writing these songs about what's happening to me now. Like things are becoming more personal. So for whatever that's worth to me, Beverly Hills just sounds like another like pop sort of like produced pop song that Weezer does now. You know, it's, it's okay. Do do they play it live? Yeah, they do. Like every time. I don't know about every time, but to me it's on the same similar level as pork and beans. You know, it's like a song everyone knows. It's a big hit. It's not something that huge Weezer fans really care that much about hearing. Like, yeah. I don't know that really big Weezer fans are like, oh, God, I hope they play Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. you know. But the surface level Weezer fans know Beverly Hills, and they know Pork and Beans or whatever, and that's, you know, those are the big ones, a couple of the big ones. So, but 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 I think the important thing to keep in mind is that this album, again by River's own admission is a lyrical return to like emotional honesty in, in the songwriting. So I do, Oh, I meant to pull this up already, but now I have to go back a little bit. We're as always disclaimer, we're recording these out of order, but we just recorded the green album. But to you, the listener, that was two episodes ago, but there's a song on the green album called simple pages which starts like this. Give me a second. Got to get the volume back up because you got to hear it right from the beginning. So here's the beginning of Simple Pages. One more time. It's really just the first second. So here's the first second. So that's the beginning of Simple Pages. Here's a little song called Perfect Situation. Would you like to hear the beginning of that again? Could you tell the difference? The same, dude. (laughs) Yeah, they're so similar. You can tell there is a difference. The, The production on, first of all, 
Make Believe is produced by Rick Rubin. So the, the guitars do sound like bigger, and you can almost hear individual... Stri- There's more articulation on Make Believe. Get out of here. I don't... Ugh. Sam's pouring beer into my beer. It's a fresh beer. It is fresh, at least. So... What I was saying was that there's more articulation in the instruments in Make Believe and and uh, the Green Album is more like, I don't know, synthetic distortion is the only way I can describe it. But I those, see what you're saying. You get my point. Those two yeah. start exactly the same. What do you think about Perfect Situation? We didn't listen to it. Do you want to hear a little bit more? Yes. We only listened to one second. Where is it on the album? Two. how a lot of the songs start out on this album yeah like with the guitar hook mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah no i'm saying i do know what you're saying no so this was a single this was the third single i just i never cared for it that much this is the verse for those of you who What's that? He should make like a cover band like Chevy Metal. Yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be sweet. Because he just like, I feel like he can, I bet, I guess, I feel like he can shred on the guitar, bro. He can. He can play. Yeah. I And, you know, we're going to talk about this when we get there, but our last episode of the Weezer discography will be when they release Van Weezer. And I have a feeling Van Weezer is going to be the most metal of Weezer yeah. albums. Um, maybe except for Maladroit. Maladroit's pretty heavy sometimes, but Perfect Situation, I'm just... I could take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, even though it was a single. This one, not to show my all my cards right away, this is my favorite one. Yeah. 
best vibe to it. Yeah. To be the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the little kinda, like synth yeah. like pulse, uh-huh. you know? This song's great. I like it, yeah. I if you go to my MySpace page <laughs> Oh boy. I covered this on an acoustic and I slowed it down. I think I've talked about it on on this podcast before. During recording, Thunderstruck. And you can hear it in the background at like the perfect time. Uh-huh. I have since been trying to get back on my MySpace page and download that recording and like I it won't work. And I want to hear that song so badly so I can play it for you. But I ran out of time. I'm going to keep trying. Maybe someday yeah. it'll be on this podcast. Maybe we'll have to hire like a grade A hacker. Yeah. Get into my... Look, yeah. there's this site called MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Nobody's used it for years. Got but it. all my most valuable demo recordings are on it. <laughs> Got it. You've well, got to hack into the mainframe. Yeah, we'll need $50,000. <laughs> Remember when we were talking about one of the things that I like about Rivers is that a lot of his songwriting seems to revolve around almost like games or sort of like challenges, Mm -hmm. you know? Like write a song on one string is the example I keep using or, you know, write an entire album where the guitar solo is the same melody as the verse. This song, Hold Me, was written this is just a song written as he was doing a 24 hour fast. He's like, I'm just not going to eat for a full day and I'm going to write a song and here's what I'm going to come up with. So that's what song four hold me is. I like how the guitar and bass. Mm-hmm. Come together. I am terrified of all things. Frightened of the dark I am You are Taller than a mountain Deeper than the sea What's that? You like Hold Me? Nah. I liked it at the beginning, but then once the chorus came around, I'm like, eh. Really? Yeah. Okay. I could like either of those two parts as individual songs. Like if you take the chorus to Hold Me and make it a different song, I'm okay with it. Take the verse to Hold Me and make it a different song, I'm okay with it. But I don't like these two together. Yeah. That might be a little of a immature i guess like yeah curmudgeonly way to look at it like like one one part is really soft and the other's really heavy like but i don't know they just don't fit that well but that's what happens when you go on a fast for 24 hours and then you try to write a masterpiece you're so hungry you're just like i need that masterpiece man yeah all i can do is think very soft then very loud 
the most primitive of emotions. That's usually what happens. Yep. Anyway, so that was holding me. Meh. That's a big meh. Hold meh. So you, so you like five and six. Yeah. Those are your strong ones. So five is peace. I think. No. Six and seven. Well, we heard a little bit of peace, but we're going to skip it. We're going to go to six and seven. Six is one that you would like. Bro, you, <laughs> the the podcast audience doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> You're just like buh, 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 talking on the phone while this is uh, happening. Bah. No, you can you can. Does he have a lie? He does hung he, up. Every, everybody's mad at me, dude. Why? Because I I'm trying to get them to tell their lies. So here I'm gonna tell the audience who isn't sitting right here what just <laughs> happened. We called someone to try to get them to tell a lie. They called back in the middle of us playing We Are All on Drugs. Was that, was that bad radio? Yeah, that was bad radio. We call, he called back in the middle of We Are All on Drugs, and Sam tried to negotiate a on-air lie. It failed. <laughs> this is the worst Do You Lie segment of all time. So We Are All on Drugs. That's a song that Rivers wrote while he heard people like rocking out on the Sunset Strip, like partygoers. So he writes We Are All on Drugs. You like that one? I like that one. Song's cool. And I like that song so much that I like the next one. Oh, okay. This one? It's supposed to be that was supposed to be a tribute to Josh. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. I like the drums. One more time. I have crossed the Patrick Wilson is the drummer, yes. What were you going to say? Nothing. Nothing? You were going to say nothing. Dude, I just think his drums sound badass. I really like what he's doing here. There's a lot of, like, ghost notes. Yeah. Like, a lot of suggested drums. Yeah, this is cruising music. That's the best thing I can say about this album. Like, for the most part, this album sort of bores me. Mm -hmm. Not in the way that I think it's bad. Like, I I sing along to all of these. Literally all of these. But, like, there's always that anchor to hold on to. That the melodies are good and the harmonies are nice. Mm -hmm. But, like, I know this album. And you know that one of the... One of my talents is I can go through albums without seeing them and tell you what the track listing is. Like, I could not tell you. Like, I can hear the song and know the name of it, but I Mm -hmm. couldn't recite Make Believes. And I've heard this album a million times. Yeah. But, like, the damage in your heart, like, I never would have remembered that that's a song on here. So these, these 
songs for me, a lot of them don't have much identity to what them. What Weezer and we will definitely get to this later, but we, what Weezer album do you think is in your rotation quite often? They're like, oh, okay. Um, Pinkerton, obviously. Yeah. And okay, Pinkerton and Blue, obviously. After we've done this, I think I can say pretty strongly that, and I'm going to send. I genuinely really like all of these that I'm about to mention. So there are a lot. White Album, mm-hmm. Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Those are newer. Yeah. I think Maladroit, I like. Even though it's mm, a, co- a selection of songs less than the whole thing. I'll tell you what I've really warmed up to preparing for this is Ratitude, mm. which I haven't sent to you yet and yeah. you haven't listened through, but... Ratitude was one that I had sort of forgotten. But those are the best. Upon re-listening, I'm like, Ratitude's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, but those are the ones. This one is not. Even though this is such a pity, might be a top ten Weezer song for me. Hmm. I love this is such a pity. But a lot of the rest of the album is not that great for me. And we're not even gonna go over uh, most of these because there, there's no. There's no real point, I yeah. don't think. It, you can hit us up on the social media if you want to tell us that we're up a creek. In fact, I'd appreciate that. little engagement. But we're going to skip these for now. Um, not all of them. Because there's a lot of interesting things to say about some of these. My Best Friend, this is song nine. Michael Those are some good years on you. This song secretly sounds like Let's Walk Like an Egyptian. Really? Walk Like an Egyptian, huh? Egyptian. Hmm. I can hear it. Here's one thing that I don't think would surprise you much based on what this song sounds like. This song was originally supposed to be on the Shrek 2 soundtrack. Hell yeah. Doesn't this sound like it belongs it in a totally movie? It totally sounds like a Shrek song. Yeah. It, it was cut because the rhythms and the stuff in the song didn't match the uh-huh. movements in the movie well enough. And the song that replaced it was Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows, which you, you know, which became a very famous song. Yeah. Accidentally in Love. And this song never became a single and kind of like was faded into obscurity, you know. But this could have been that song if it had just matched up with the animation Dude, a little Dude, come better. on, Weezer, just a little bit faster, a little bit slower. You would have been in Shrek, bro. You would have been in Shrek, motherfucker. Shrek 2, at one time, the number three grossing movie in history. Dude, Shrek definitely holds up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. When was the last time you watched Shrek? Dude, literally like two weeks ago. Oh, my god! The original one. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're going to have to start doing a movie podcast when we do a, the Patreon in a year or something. Dude, <laughs> Shrek's one of my jams, dude. Yeah. 
The next song. What did you think about Shrek? All right. At the time, I thought it was good. I, I don't think I agree that it holds up very well. Even at the time, uh-huh. I was a little confused about the idea that like, that, wait a minute. So she's not supposed to care about what he looks like when she's beautiful, but she has to turn into an ogre still to like be married to him. Like, can't she just look the same? Dude, it's a fairy tale. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying. Um, I know. I'm just saying. I was confused by that. True love's first kiss, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're moving on because this isn't a Shrek podcast. It's a Weezer podcast. Somebody once told me. really like this song i didn't mean to turn it down so quickly but the story about this song is pretty fucked up dude so this album they're like hitting that slight 60s vibe yeah like the melody it, it makes you feel like it makes you feel it in your heart like like it's been a little bit of butterflies yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's like all right but tell me tell me the story okay so this song is about his river's ex-girlfriend jennifer chiba and who so keep with me we have to do it real quick river's ex wait why chiba <laughs> very good very good i might have it might be chiba i don't know but it's probably chiba right or shiba with a ch <laughs> okay so it's about river's ex-girlfriend who jennifer chiba's boyfriend elliot smith is a famous musician committed suicide so this song is about wanting to reach out and sort of like console her but being confused about what what his motives are there feeling like you can't really do that because you're an ex-boyfriend and is he subconsciously trying to take advantage of that situation knowing that she's vulnerable jeez right he's deep right so that gives this song a meaning that is like makes the song cooler to me. Yeah. But there's more. Ooh. This this suicide story is we're not a true crime podcast, but it's pretty messed up. Okay? So I, I was deep diving into this. Deep dive. So this guy's famous enough that Pearl Jam wrote a song about him when he committed suicide. The song Can't Keep from I think um from Riot Act um is is about Elliot Smith. So Elliot and Jennifer date after 
you know, rivers breaks up there. And I went, <laughs> you know, you can go on your Wikipedias and you can also go on these other websites. I went to one of the other websites and this must have been like an Elliot Smith fan website because it just, it was, I can't believe they haven't been sued by Jennifer Chiba for like all these like accusations they make that aren't evidence-based. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, you know, they used to fight all the time. Um, I think she might have killed him. Like, I think she might have killed him. You know, so there, there's a lot. Of, but whatever the full truth is, I, I just tell the short version of the story. What the facts seem to be that on the night he killed himself, they had a fight. Jennifer had locked herself in the bathroom and he killed himself while she was in the bath. She apparently heard him scream, came out, and he had stabbed himself what? in twice in the chest. And the second time just left it in there. And he had written a suicide note that said, I'm not going to quote it, but it was something along the lines of like, I'm sorry, like I love you all or something. God forgive me, whatever. Very short, just on a post-it note. Apparently what killed him, well, I shouldn't say it like that. What made it certain that he would die was that in trying to help him, she rushed over and pulled the knife out. Like it, it's possible that she had just left the knife in after the second stabbing that he would have lived. That's what the coroner's report said. However, what's kind of interesting, and this is in the coroner's report, but what's kind of interesting about it is there, there, there was nothing... There was no sign of, I, I don't have it written down what these were called, but um, in fact, I'm going to look it up because I have to get this right. Um, but when, I guess when people stab themselves to death, which I can't imagine is very often, um, there are uh, there are certain, I don't know how to say this, in Elliot Smith's case, there were no hesitation wounds, which is to say you tr- you start mm. to stab yourself and you think better of it. You decide not to, and like you maybe cut yourself a little bit. Apparently, he had no hesitation wounds. So like he went one, two, and he that was how certain he was that he wanted to stab himself to death. So that happened. That was one interesting thing about this, and and I there were also seemingly defense wounds on him so there was the coroner officially left it an open investigation so it's not they they didn't close char- it they didn't charge jennifer chiba with homicide but they didn't say she didn't kill him like it's i think it's officially a suicide but like you know there were strange things happening so again I'm not trying to get sued by Jennifer Chiba. This is just what the f- the facts. Chiba. <laughs> These are just what the facts of that situation were. He was on a bunch of antidepressants, and he had said like he had talked about committing suicide before openly. So it's not like this was a. Com- it's always a surprise when someone does that. But but I don't think people who were close to him were immediately like, oh, he must have been murdered. You know, I think. People thought, oh, no, mm. he finally did it. Like, um, But there were other things that ha- apparently he had called a producer and said he was excited to like, you know, continue an album with him later that week. And the producer was like, I d- can't understand why he would do that if he was thinking about suicide, which I can see both sides there. Like, I, I've also read that people who 
are finally ready to commit suicide are all often at their happiest, like right before that, because they sort of like feel the relief, you know, before mm. they actually do it. It's like, they're not weighed down anymore. They've finally decided that this is going to be it. Um, so I'm not an expert on that, but, but I'm just saying like, I could see a scenario where, you know, a really friendly conversation might not mean necessarily that he's actually happy with his life. Yeah. But anyway, messed up. Right? So that's the story of that song. I don't know if Rivers wrote that before all the details of the suicide were out either. That kind of makes it a little different too. Yeah. Because I'm I'm finding all this out as I go. You know? I doubt it. She's probably telling him, you know, oh no. Well, right. And he's like, He's saying it in the song. Well, right. What I'm thinking as I'm reading it is, okay, Rivers had this ex-girlfriend. The relationship ended amicably, and now she got another boyfriend, and he, you know, unfortunately, you know, committed suicide. Not that this relationship was potentially abusive between Jennifer and Elliot, and maybe Rivers was part of that too. You know, like maybe that's why they broke up or whatever, and that adds a different weird element to the song. But... Anyway, interesting story though, right? It is. True crime podcast now. We're uh you'll hear us on NPR immediately following the fourth season of Serial. Do I love NPR? <laughs> Back to the album. NPR totally holds up. Uh yeah. Freak, <laughs> Freak Me Out is the twelfth song, which gets a lot of flack. So before I started playing it, I said this song gets a lot of, a lot of flack. I, th- I think it's because it's just so like bass level lyrically. Uh, my favorite author, Chuck Klosterman, once wrote in his book, Eating the Dinosaur, specifically about this song. Now people have a problem with Rivers and his like lyric writing. And Klosterman says, I think very accurately, Rivers writes lyrics that are completely void of any irony. This exact thing happened to him mm. like it's not meta it's not metaphor yeah. it's not like it's not like a story told cleverly he writes lyrics that are exactly what he means a fan jumped out at him and was you know up in his face basically like asking him about fame or whatever and rivers is like i'm trying to mind my own business you're freaking me out <laughs> you know so that does not bother me. Isn't that like a good point? I mean, he's like a smart guy and some of those, you know, some people are like both like creative and logical, but he's like, maybe he's like so like logical he can't make that sort of like, uh, 
creative metaphor. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? He's just like, I have to write songs exactly the way it happened. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I do. I want you to say it again, though. Like For so, the audience, because sometimes it goes by too quick. Oh, so what I was saying is Rivers went to you know, Harvard, Harvard mm-hmm. you know, so he's obviously smart, mm-hmm. smart dude. And so, like, he has to write songs. I'm not saying he's not creative, but lyrically, he may not be able to write, like, a metaphor. He has to write exactly the way something happened. Do you mean for the audience? Yeah, or just himself, you know. Maybe I don't know what you meant. Here's what I... Let me say what I thought you meant. What I thought you meant was he's intelligent enough that if you were to write... If you were to write everything in metaphors, it wouldn't make sense. You can't. You wouldn't get your point across. Yeah, either. he's like, but, I have to write this way. Yeah, you like know. otherwise, it won't mean anything to anybody. Not to say that he thinks he's too smart for everyone or whatever, but to me, the intelligence comes through. I've I've mentioned on previous episodes and maybe on this one that he's like pretty funny. A lot of the references he makes are pretty obscure. Yeah. And he's clearly well read. Like he he is a worldly person. And you can't just pull those references out of nowhere without being pretty intelligent. Uh-huh. And to bury those references in metaphor would be just um my old math professor would say burying a mouse with a with a bulldozer. Like you don't need you don't need the metaphors. In fact, the metaphors kind of ruin the references i guess in some cases now you don't have that with freak me out necessarily this song yeah but but i i can't imagine that it would be difficult to go back and forth and he does use metaphors yeah from yeah, time yeah. to time but i see what you're saying like he's just like this is what happened to me yeah i'm trying to get the point across yeah you need to if he's really wanting the audience to understand, the best way to say you got to back off a little bit <laughs> is to shoot you straight. You know, no, I don't think anyone's best advice for a person when they're when you're. If I came to you and was like, "Hey, Jeff, our bass player really just won't get off my back," I don't think your advice to me would be like, "Well, I think you need to dance around the situation in metaphor, be really discreet and unclear what uh-huh. you want." Like, no. you just tell him. Yeah, you'd be like, tell him. <laughs> Shoot me straight, you know? So that's what he's doing. He's shooting the audience straight. Yeah. Like, don't hide in alleyways for me to walk by and then jump jump out and be like, hey, Rivers, what are you doing? Uh, like, like that's what, what I was kind of saying is like, that's not his style, I guess. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. I'm digging myself in the deep role. No, 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 but that's true. It's not his style. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying, He's too. like, I'm not a poet. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think or yeah. the way it happened. Not that he can't do it, but it's just like he can't do it because it, that's not who he is. Yeah, that that's, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The last song was Rick Rubin. This is the last song is called "Haunt You Every Day," and Rick Rubin apparently literally said to him, and he said this to Tom Petty and other people he's produced in the past, write a Weezer song that like Billy Joel or Elton John would write. And so this is what Rivers came up with. This this is Elton John like doing 
<laughs> you know, yeah. this sounds like it could be an Elton John song. You were just a toy. I am just insane. Walking on my own, leaving you behind. You are crying out that you need to speak your mind. Oh. There's a moment. I mean, you're a drummer, so you know better than me, but I feel like that's a part you got to rewind and listen to again. That you need to speak your mind. Yeah. You know, don't you love it when Jeff tries to give you suggestions on drums and starts <laughs> singing drums to you? Boom. <laughs> I don't know if Jeff, Jeff, our bass player, occasionally listens to the podcast. So I don't know if he's going to see this one, but if he does, my favorite. Is when Jeff is like, and he's like singing the drums to you and dancing a little bit. That's the best. I'm going to sing and sing the drums to you here. Do it. Pause it right when you do it. Yeah, I got to back up a little bit. I'll pause it right when I do it. That's the drum fill that's sweet. Here it comes. You heard it. You all heard it, audience. I heard it. You and you could have replicated it on drums just from my singing boom, right there. Boom, boom, da, boom, boom, boom. That does sound like an Elton John song. I would never have thought of that if I hadn't known that Rick Rubin told Rivers to do that. But when you listen to it, you're like, oh, this sounds like '90s Elton John. Yeah. You know, just done with Weezer as his backing band or whatever. So. That's make believe, for better or worse. I this it really got mixed reviews, which proves that music writers don't know anything, which we all said with Pinkerton when it got trashed by Rolling Stone and others. Dude, Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah, Rolling Stone can eat shit. That's the you know tagline from this podcast. Five stars only. Crit- yeah, five stars only. Five stars only. Eat shit. This is Weezer's longest album. Runtime about 45 minutes. Um, critical reception, as I said, was very mixed. Pitchfork, you're familiar with Pitchfork, gave this album a 0.4 out of 10. What the hell? <laughs> 0.4 out of 10. It's cruel, man. Yeah. Uh, IGN gave it 9.3 out of 10. That wow. is too. That is a wide range. Um, IGN called this, this is the Weezer album you've been missing, and this is their third great album. So they were ranking Make Believe up there with Blue and Pinkerton. Mm. Um, obviously, Pitchfork said it was a point four out of 10. The, the snippet I read from their review said something to the effect of, some albums are just awful. This is one of them. So I... I do think for Weezer, this is below average. I think this is below a five. If, I, I if like five this is one. I like it. I do like it. But it does bore me just a little. Um, yeah, it bores me just a little bit. There's one little clip. I, I, I won't play it. There's, But if you'll remember the Blue Album, I had told you that I had like a first pressing of the blue album because say it ain't so is yeah, slightly it, different. It had that, yeah. There's some mistakes on this album too. Really? Um, namely, we are all on drugs. 
I found out I have a first pressing of this CD too. That's less surprising because I probably had this the day it came out. Mm-hmm. But I have the first pressing of this CD too because the lyrics are literally different on We Are All On Drugs on this one as as uh, as the current releases you'll hear. Um, there's one line that says, I want to confiscate your drugs. You have it because I burned it for you. I don't think I can get enough. That's right before the bridge. Mm-hmm. But na- current versions, he says, I want to reach a higher plane where things will never be the same. That's that was, cool, bro. Th- but somehow they just made a mistake and released the wrong cut. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I didn't know things like that happened in, mu- <laughs> in like big music. Yeah. You know, but apparently they do. So that's that. Make believe. We got to do cover cut hidden gem, my friend. You know which one I would cover. Uh, you would cover We Are All on Drugs. No, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Beverly Hills. I would cover. Hmm, I'd cover This Is Such a Pity. Is that the one that. That's the keyboard? Yep. I, I It's not famous, obviously. I'm playing it again. But it's dancey enough that I think, like, if you had the It'd right audience, they'd still be into it. Yeah. What would you cut? There's a lot to choose from. Let me look at the song list. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This silence is good stuff. I think it's peace. Peace. Yeah. Um. I think for me... I think I'd cut Perfect Situation, which was a single. I just don't care for it at all. Mm-hmm. At all. I don't dislike it, but I always want to skip it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm cutting Perfect Situation. Even though this is such a pity, is really nice when it's slotted third. And if you cut Perfect Situation, it moves to second. Yeah. I think based on that, I think I'm going to remove Hold Me, even though Hold Me has the nice mm. opening part. But if I take out yeah. Hold Me, then Peace moves to fourth, which I think, it, I know you don't like Peace, but I kind of do. And it fits okay as a fourth song. And this is such a pity, has to be third, I think. So that's what I'm doing. And Hidden Gem. Play six and seven again. You mean seven and eight? Yeah, sorry. No, you mean you meant six and seven. Of course, you can't choose that one because that's a single. Oh, then seven. This one, the damage in your heart is Sam's hidden gem. I like this one. Uh, my hidden gem. I. My hidden gem is the other way. That's the one that's about the the suicide. Oh. Haunt You Every Day is pretty good, too. But I'll say this. I wasn't... I usually really like to do the cover cut hidden gem part of the episode. I wasn't excited about that for this one because I don't know that there's a really strong hidden gem on here, which I think speaks to how for... In Weezer's catalog, which is always the caveat, like, I enjoy listening to this. If you, you know... 
if you're a Weezer fan and for some reason you don't have this, you should buy it. But I think it's the weakest one we've covered so far. Mm. For me. For me. I don't know the black, bro. The black for me, which is an argument we can get in at the end, yeah. but the black for me is different enough. Okay. Like to this win, one. The one spot on the shelf. Yeah. This one is just like a little too much color by numbers, Weezer, for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But that's the story on Make Believe. That's the story on Make Believe. One thing I want to make sure that I'm doing is telling people at the end of the episode, you should follow us on Wet Bandits Pod Great. on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. What Do else? that. Also, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Five stars only. Then hit the subscribe button. If you haven't done that by now, and when you hit that shit. subscribe button, say, get wet. Get wet, Bye. people. Bye. does sound just like you because it is you one two three three dang it one two three